The Startup to Scale Up Game Plan is brought to you by Alpina Search, Europe's premier talent search firm, dedicated to helping technology startups and scale-ups recruit high-impact executives. Now over to your host, Gary Riemann. I'm delighted to welcome Alan Vey and Anika Munari, co-founders at Aventus Systems, to today's show. Aventus is a pioneer in both blockchain technology and cryptocurrency funding and has been dubbed the Bitcoin of ticketing. Aventus was founded only 18 months ago and yet they uh, recently closed one of the largest cryptocurrency funding rounds outside of the States, a $20 million initial coin offering. So Alan and Annika, a very warm welcome to you both. Thanks. Hi Gary, thank you. Thanks for having us on your uh, on your podcast. So, uh, how how did the two of you meet, and how did you start your journey into the world of being technology entrepreneurs? So, uh, Annika and I both did our masters at Imperial College uh, here in London. I was doing a masters in artificial intelligence. Uh, Annika was doing hers in particle physics. Um, now, we'd both previously sort of been aware of what was happening with Bitcoin and looked at doing a project together on that, uh, but it didn't really properly click until I did my thesis with um, Professor William Nottenbelt, the director of the Cryptocurrency Research and Engineering Center at Imperial. Um, what we did was look at film rights distribution on the blockchain, working with BAFTA and the film network. Um, and sort of that, that was in 2015, spent a year doing that. Uh, and then Annika, Annika and I had been speaking back and forth whilst uh, I was doing my thesis um, and figured that we'd try and build uh, a business out of it once we sort of finished our studies. Um, and we sort of researched around the film industry and the music industry, uh, eventually sort of settling on ticketing because we saw that there was all of these glaring holes, um, th these problems that could be really nicely solved by various properties of the blockchain. And that's sort of how uh, Aventus started. We were incorporated in April 2016 and uh, started moving towards the, the token sale, as you mentioned. So are you both big uh, fans of events and concerts? In any case, is this a, a kind of passion that you followed into the world of business? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it didn't. it's funny because the business case came first. It wasn't like we loved events and ticketing and therefore kind of looked um, looked there to begin with but um uh, yeah I, I i'm a musician i used to play play in um in a band and and yeah we obviously we weren't big enough to experience any problems around touting or anything but i'd experienced it myself and alan had as well you know going to different concerts over time so uh, what what kind of music do you play annika yeah i used to play like um hard rock a bit of punk um Later, some electronic music. I, I played the drums. I can't wait to get an invite to the Aventus uh, Christmas party. I'm sure that's going to be a, a lively evening. <laughs> We're actually talking about forming an office band. We've got um, a couple of guys who play guitar and stuff like that. So, so we'll see. <laughs> that's going to be cool. Okay, let's switch to, to the ICO then. So you had a really successful ICO, an initial coin offering only a few months ago. Um, how did you plan and organize the fundraising? Yep, so, well, we 
things have changed a little bit in the, the industry since we did it, but the, the way we did it was a little bit uh, different to many. What a lot of people nowadays do is they get these sort of simple agreements for future equity or tokens um, to raise funds to then sort of be able to build up the sort of marketing campaign and everything that goes with it. But what we did was uh, in about October 2016, we secured a traditional equity round of funding uh, from some guys called Global Advisors, headed up by um, Daniel Masters. Um, now, what they are, they quite big in the, the blockchain space from, a, from the traditional markets perspective. So they're traders who have various sort of products, um, financial products, uh, ETFs on the NASDAQ in Sweden. Um, so they came at it from the sort of traditional currency side. And we obviously came at it from the technology um, perspective. And what we, what we decided to do, the first thing you have to do is obviously uh, build out a white paper. So you identify the problem and you propose your solution and how you can solve it. And in part of that solution is describing the economic model and incentives uh, surround, uh, sort of involved in your protocol. Now, to create these sort of incentives and align, people's, um, align people in the correct way to solve the problems, what you have to do, you need some kind of scarcity, you need some kind of value, and that's where the token comes in. So what our token is, is uh, AV, called AVT or event coin. Um, so what we did, we defined sort of the total supply. We defined essentially the sort of um, monetary policy, if you might, how it gets released into the system and how it kind of evolves over time so that people can build up models and see if there's value, if, well, if they believe there'll be value in it or not. Um, and then we chose to sell 60% of the total token supply in, this, uh, in the token sale itself. So it, it, we always refer to it as a token sale because really what we did is we sold tokens and a sort of bundle of rights associated with those tokens for the usage in the Aventus platform. Uh, but many people call it, like you were saying, an initial coin offering or initial token event, initial generation event, whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, we, we defined that. We sold 60% of the token supply in return for 60,000 Ether, um, which at the time was about 20 million US dollars. Um, and we did that in three phases. So we had a pre-sale phase where we went to sort of crypto hedge funds. We went to big individual uh, investors. Uh, then we had a whitelist phase where people in our community could get involved and we guaranteed that they'd get a spot in the token sale if they signed up within a certain time. And then we had a public sale component where we sold basically to the general public on a first come first serve basis. And we ended up selling out the full 20 million US or the, the remaining US, the remaining amount in uh, in seven minutes as soon as it hit the public sale. Wow. Okay. So this this idea of a token offering or a or a um, an ICO, what sort of businesses, what sort of startups or scale ups would be most suited to raising money in in that manner instead of going down the more traditional root traditional VCs? Yeah, so um, it's anything, well, see, it's, it's difficult because um, one of the biggest problems with, with something like a bubble, like you see now, is that there are a ton of people um, that are trying to find a problem that blockchains solve. So they'll, you know, a lot of people are just trying to put blockchain, I mean, there was like a, there was a public company recently that changed their name to have blockchain in it and their, their, their stock price went up over 200%, I think it was. Um, and so, you know, you get a lot of this, um, 
you know, this this hype, but where blockchain really applies is when you have some kind of network and, and network effect. Um, so for us, for example, you know, we are a um, protocol for ticketing companies and the more events there are on the protocol, um, the more people that will be using the protocol and will be attracted to using the protocol and therefore the faster it grows. Um, so any, the blockchain, in my opinion, especially applies really best um, when it, it serves as a backbone for interoperability between multiple different companies that don't necessarily trust each other. So that's often like the backbone of an industry. So if you think of music rights, um, that's you know when, when artists and producers and record labels and things need to interact with each other um, without trusting each other in a way that works for all of them, the blockchain is a really nice mechanism for that because you can define rules about how these interactions take place um, into the future of time and every participant has to adhere to those rules because of the way the blockchain works. Um, so for us it's really great because you think of the ticketing um, life cycle or supply chain, you've got promoters, venues, ticketing companies, um, event organizers, etc. Um, and they all kind of need to interact with the tickets and with each other. Um, and so, so protocol really works well for that where, you know, in our case, an event organizer defines the life cycle of their tickets. So they say how much they want to sell them in the primary market for and how many they want to create altogether, um, how the secondary market around those tickets should work. So setting price caps or deriving revenue and then how the revenue distribution at the end should work. Um, and so, you know, applications like this, where it's really like a backbone amongst an industry is really the best for having a token and um, a token sale and, a, and if you will, a, a protocol or a standard for that industry um, that will a have the most valuable token, the one that's, that has the, the largest utility because tons of people are using it, but then also the one that makes sense for the use of the blockchain rather than adding all these extra complications with the new technology um, like you see with some of the projects out there today. Okay, that's beginning to make sense. Um, <laughs> after you raised the, the money, the equivalent of $20 billion, what did you go and spend that money on and, and how did you convert the cryptocurrency into conventional sterling us dollars euros conventional currencies yeah so that's that's quite a quite a difficult um task to deal with nowadays obviously a lot of the regulators in various jurisdictions are just starting to become aware of well they've been aware of for a while but starting to understand um it's obviously quite complicated technology and it takes a while to get your head around and, and really sort of create rules and laws around it um so what we did is we set up what well, most what most people will do is they go to the sort of fringe jurisdictions that typically those that maybe move a little bit faster so we're looking at um uh sort of uh, switzerland gibraltar singapore some go to estonia the isle of man there's there's all sorts of jurisdictions that are a bit more favorable towards cryptocurrencies so what we did is we set up um the aventus protocol foundation in jersey in the channel islands um, now, this was mainly because uh, our sort of equity investors, we previously mentioned global advisors, they've been doing their operations from there um, and they had a, a close relationship with the regulator. So we were able to work through 
um, and explain and deal with any of the, the potential issues that there might be. So the, it's the Ventus Protocol Foundation that sort of holds the funds. Um, and then that moves from there based on various services that the UK company can render for the um, foundation. Uh, now you have to be careful, obviously some, some banks uh, don't really want to accept cryptocurrency. So you, uh, very much all the way along, it's, a, it's an educational process where you have to go to people, obviously make sure you have the appropriate legal work and the compliance done to make sure you're not breaking any securities laws uh, or anything like that. But um, it's a long, slow process, but one we thought would be very important because as the landscape changes and as the laws sort of uh, come into effect over the coming years, we uh, thought it's very important to find ourselves on the right side of that line. And in terms of employees and suppliers and maybe even partners, are you paying everyone in traditional currencies or has anyone said, I'm up for this, I'll, I'll, I'll accept payment in cryptocurrency? Yeah, um, well, we have a um, an option scheme, for example, um, for the employees at Aventus Systems Limited um, that's from AVT, which is our currency, and it gets distributed distributed out the um, portion that Aventus Systems Limited, the company, got. Um, so people people gain that so that all of our incentives are aligned to really increasing the value of that open source protocol. Um, we have a couple of corporate partners that helped during the token sale who were paid out in Ether, for example, but like, you know, for the operations of the UK limited company, everyone um, is, is going to be paid out or is being paid out in, in Sterling um, just because, you know, these cryptocurrencies are still quite volatile. I mean, even, even Ether, which is um, Ethereum's the platform that we're building on, um, you know, their, their currency has fluctuated from it was, I mean, it was it was ten dollars uh, about a year ago, you know, and then today it's around it's, it's hovering around three hundred dollars. Um, but you know, these things do change, and so so you know, we don't want to expose too many people to the volatility. But in terms of your question before, what we were using the funds for, it's really to develop out the protocol and garner adoption of the protocol. So we've been hiring quite a few employees here in London, um, working on the different tech teams. And um, and also and also ramping up marketing and stuff like that to try and get raise awareness about the protocol and start and start um, start getting that mass adoption where we're looking for. And, and when it comes to approaching talent, approaching potential hires, are they excited by the space you're in, or do you get a more nervous response? People. Um, maybe a bit anxious about the whole idea of a of a bubble and and a lot of terminology they're not really that familiar with. Um, so most of our our hiring so far has been for our technology teams. So these are obviously people that typically understand the software a little bit better. Um, and over, it's been overwhelmingly positive. People are very excited about a new industry. Obviously, everybody has concerns around the the sort of volatility of cryptocurrencies and making sure that. Uh, uh, that everything works on that front. But given that we've sort of secured this raise and we have various sort of treasury management um, solutions in place, uh, we, we're actually, uh, we think of it almost as the best of both worlds at times. We're, we're a young startup where you can still have a lot to kind of shape in a business, but you have the security of a company with sort of a, a reasonably sized war chest. Um, so yeah, most people are, are overwhelmingly enthusiastic to join and get involved.
Good. Okay. That's great to hear you're getting that uh, that positive response. Uh, can can you explain in layman's terms a little bit more about EFA and about the uh, if I'm pronouncing it correctly the Ethereum network and what that does? Sure. Um. So Ethereum. I think the easiest way is to kind of start um, with what, you know, um, Satoshi Nakamoto's white paper was, what the Bitcoin blockchain was and kind of go from there. Um, so what we call nowadays the Nakamoto blockchain was what we now know as the Bitcoin blockchain. And this was the um, large innovation. This was the kind of idea around how Bob can transfer Alice um, money online without the problem of double spending and without a trusted intermediary like a bank in the middle. Um, and Bitcoin successfully did this. Now, after bit, the Bitcoin blockchain was created, you had all these other blockchains like Dogecoin and Litecoin and, and something for financial, specific financial asset and something else for bicycles or what have you. We had all of these blockchains for very specific use cases. Um, so what a, a, a young guy named Vitalik Buterin did is he saw all of these different blockchains being created and he said, well, what if there was a blockchain that could do everything? So what if someone could write any kind of code or create any application, any token for anything on one blockchain and all of them could therefore communicate with each other? And so he invented what's called smart contracts. Well, he, he actually didn't invent smart contracts, but he realized smart contracts on the Ethereum blockchain, um, which you can think of as a giant immutable database um, with the logic around updating the state of that database residing um, in this trustless environment on the blockchain. Um, so you can think of it almost like a giant world computer where many different parties can interact with each other without having to trust each other, um, almost like legal contracts are in the real world, but where the legal the terms in those contracts actually hold. Um, that that's how you can kind of think of of what Ethereum is, the Ethereum protocol. Um, and you know it allows people like us and companies like Gnosis, which is like a prediction market, um, lots of applications, you know, like sports betting, um, um, you know, preventing CV fraud, all kinds of things can be built on this network. Um, and Ether is the cryptocurrency that powers uh, that powers the Ethereum network, very similar to Bitcoin, except for the logic and these applications like preventing CV fraud or ticketing like we're doing um, to, to, to get your code to run, to use the network, you have to pay in Ether. And that's why the currencies become so valuable today because more and more people are starting to build on this network and are therefore needing this currency to, to run their computations. Okay, thank you for that uh, layman's explanation. I'll, uh, I'll listen back to what you said and uh, and, <laughs> and eventually I'm, I'm sure get my head around it so you've you've referenced uh, applications two or three times during this conversation is ticketing and events is that the first vertical you're targeting um, the first application of your technology or is ticketing the sole focus for eventers all the way to an exit 
Um, well, we, we yes, I, I would say it's the first um, vertical. The first vertical being um, ticketing for sports and music events. That's the sort of initial market we're focused on. But then it does have uh, wider applications. So if you consider transportation, for example, um, aviation is very similar with uh, with their tickets, although the pricing models are quite different in how they dynamically price things. But many um, of the sort of principles apply there as well, or even sort of train transportation or, or various other sectors. Then there are um, even more wider reaching aspects, but we're still uh, uh, staying quiet on some of the big, um, the big other plays that we see for the Aventus protocol. Okay, so to the extent that you're able to divulge these ideas, and I'm talking more at the macro level than, than, than down at the real detailed level, what, what goals do you have for uh, Aventus for the next two to three years? Well, so what I will say on that point to kind of give you a bit more information is what we do is, is what you can do is you think of what an event and a ticket actually are. Um, so an event is something that happens in a finite um, length of time in a finite um, point in space or set of points in space. And a ticket is a right to participate in that uh, in that event or in you know the right to consume or participate or, or however you want to call it so you can think from there what our protocol really really lets you do i mean it, it allows everyone along the supply chain for anything that fits that description so you can even think like a hotel room for example that that technically fits that description um allowing all of the people in the supply chain to frictionlessly um to frictionally operate with each other and, and, and collaborate without having to trust each other and um, without having to trust a central party to kind of to kind of intermediate um, you know these these relationships. Um, in terms of the next two to three years, um, well yeah so so for the first year you know we're, we're really going to be looking at sports and music like we say um, we should have a production grade version of the protocol and some of our um, service offerings on top out um, in Q2, Q3 of next year. Um, from there, we're going to just keep building out features. We have a lot of ideas and um, we'll be working with, with, with some of our clients to, um, to roll those out. Um, and then in, in two to three years, you know, expand, expand the kind of um, area of application that we're targeting, you know, so like Alan was explaining some of the areas, some of the areas we don't really want to explicitly say, um, but, you know, really fostering the growth of the ecosystem by helping other projects um, build on top of the protocol, help other um, individual companies adopt the protocol, um, really to drive the value for the protocol and ultimately for AVT, which is the utility token of the protocol. Got it. Okay, and you are co-founders, so how have the two of you split responsibilities within the business and, and to what extent has, has that evolved since the early days? So uh, sort of for the token, um, during the, the ramp up to the token sale and everything before that, it was really just uh, hands on wherever wherever it suited. There was a lot of sort of development and work around that. So um, I would typically take more of well, in software what we call the back end side of things. And I think I would take more of the front end. Um, but really, it's been a it's been a 
pretty pretty much we both did everything in the early days. Now we're coming more and more into a phase where obviously first we're trying to build out the team um, and make sure that we get the right people in the place. But we we kind of play to our strengths. So I, I sit more on the on the the economics side of yeah. things, and I guess it's more on the sort of data side um, of our of our product offerings. Um, and then again, the sort of technical split is I'm more on the back end side, and I guess more on the front end. And we whatever whatever works really um we try to do a lot of this sort of media as we're, we're both here um and present the sort of company image um together with both of us we feel like we can kind of help amplify each other's points at times um but yeah that's that's the sort of general split we've worked out so far and that'll, that'll keep evolving as we go awesome uh, speaking to you thank you both so much for joining me i've learned a hell of a lot from this conversation and uh, a couple of other chats we've had recently. Uh, Aventus is still quite early stage, of course, but you're doing some fascinating things in terms of both the, the technology space you're in, but also in terms of the fundraising. I believe your, your ICO was one of the largest, if not the largest uh, uh, ICO or, or token offering uh, offerings outside of the state. So fabulous progress you're making and I'm sure uh, um, this is going to inspire many of our listeners. So uh, thank you both. Thank you, um, Alan. Thank you, Annika. Thank you. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Bye-bye. This episode of the Startup to Scale Up Game Plan was brought to you by Alpina Search. Head over to www.alpinasearch.com for advice on scaling your technology startup and recruiting high-impact senior talent. 